Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Wiseman Say podcast. Plenty to talk about tonight. I'm here with Gareth Barker again, who returns to the show, although we didn't have a show last week, did we? No, we didn't, no. no, we didn't. But you weren't on the ITL, so people will know what I mean. We're joined by James Hunter, again, from the Chronicle. Good you could be here. And Gary Foster again. Yes, back again. Back again. Like a bad penny. Well, you're the, you're the easy ones to get in. Not popular demand, neither of us, I'm sure. <laughs> well, no, you're, well, you're high because you live local and, you know, when other people say they can't do it, Gareth. Yeah, well, we did that. <laughs> it's not that we wouldn't have you on all the time if we could. It's just, you know, we try and vary it. But, you know, George Colton dropped out and uh, Rob Scanlon dropped out and... Um, well, the Paul people Fraser turned it down, was, yeah. distanced themselves. Yeah, yeah, it was like a... Yeah. It was like a it's just it like, like, like appointing yeah. the manager, really, yeah. yeah. yeah it's like a, a metaphor for everything that's happening. People <laughs> said it wasn't a cup of tea and walked away. Yeah, someone failed the medical and... Yeah, it was like a it was like the summer transfer window for Sunderland. I know. Well, we I mean, went for quality, and now we've <laughs> you got quality. You got two yeah, of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're on now. I mean, we could start with that. I'll be honest. The the quantity quality thing. Uh, does anybody here think it's realistic that I mean, have a look at the Sunderland team this year. Who who you think is an improvement from last year? You'd say Jermaine Lentz certainly, and you'd say Yaman Veer certainly. Yeah. Anybody else? Barini. Barini, yeah. I'd say Toivonen, because we don't have anybody who played that position. So you're looking at three, definitely three, possibly four. Is it realistic for a club like Sunderland to have more improvements than that? Well, they need them. No, (laughs) but in one transfer window. Is it realistic? Do we have any sympathy with with Congerton here at all? No, not really. I mean, um, the ones that haven't improved, how many transfer windows have they been here for? Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's not as if they haven't had time to ship out the players that are classed as dead wood or that they don't want or or whatever. Um, you know, you can only make that excuse so many times that you can't make too many changes, and when they did make too many changes, it didn't work. I don't think it's about how many changes you make. I think it's about the changes you make and how good they are. Where are we with it, though, James? Because the million-dollar question isn't that every manager comes in, and uh, now it used to be the, the same group of players with the same manager. Now we can even say, well, he's changed the players, a higher-caliber manager, and the same things are happening. Yeah, but uh, they didn't get the number of quality and inverted commas signings that uh, De Cavacar, you know, set out his stall and said that he wanted at the end of last season. Uh, you know, the the numbers were right, but the uh, but the quality wasn't sufficient. And I think he realised that, and you could see his frustration building as the window wore on. Um, and I wrote over the weekend, uh, I was surprised that he didn't leave as soon as the transfer window shut, as soon as it became clear that that uh, the, I will not say demands, but as, as soon as the, the sort of the blueprint, the, the, the requirements that he'd set out, when it became clear that that wasn't going to be followed. Uh, he's, you know, at that point, he's, you kind of realised that he was on a, a hiding to nothing. Uh, I think he stuck around in the hope that uh, the players that managed to dig them out of trouble last season, at the end of last season, uh, with the extra quality that was added, 
um, would be enough. But as the as the weeks went past and and the feelings showed and players, you know, let him down, I think uh, I, th- I think it became clear that it, w- it wasn't going anywhere. And so he said, well. You know, that's it. It was Bournemouth that did it mainly for him and for most of us, I would say, as well. That was the game afterwards where I thought, you know what, we are in trouble here. Not that I didn't think we weren't in trouble before that game, but that was a confirmation for me that, you know, I, can't, I just can't see how we're going to progress from here. Showing how far fair. far away from being a team they were. I mean, the, the, the strange thing was that, uh, or a strange thing, but the, the sad thing was really that in that first half against West Ham on, on Saturday, that was the first sign, real sign, that uh, the team was beginning to click. Um, that was what he had wanted, but, uh, but it had come sort of eight games too late. He could have made changes previously, like, like he did at the weekend. He had That's players true. available to, to influence games differently, I think. Going back to this summer, and there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, the, you know, he was promised this, and he must have come back because they, they said this, and he said that. If those two men are going to sit in a room together, and one's going to promise that somebody's going to sign six quality players that he doesn't possess, how can you promise somebody something that you don't have? Secondly, how can Dick, who's got the experience that he's got, sit there and and, and take that word and then and then go away? I mean, they're both as daft as each other in that situation, in my opinion. I mean. I mean, it's not. It doesn't mean anything. That conversation's irrelevant. The fact, the fact is, get which which teams. I mean, we discussed this before, James. I mean, which teams outside the top four, top six teams will go into a transfer window and sign, relative to them, six quality players in in a window? Like it doesn't it doesn't happen. I mean, that's it's not something that's going to happen. And to go from the problems that we've had over the last few years to come back in this season and just expect that all to just turn on its head I think it's unrealistic I don't think this season was always going to be stabilisation he's not going to go from the team he had we've had for the last three or four years to go into eighth place it's not going to happen and you know I mean I think I think Gareth that um, the point that Avakar made at the end of last season was that the resources should be made available to to bring in half a dozen players. I think he's actually said four, five, or six, but half a dozen's become the the figure. Um, and if you look at Sunderland's net spend, it was twenty two million pounds, um, and that only buys you two quality players. Uh, but how do they, where level. does the money come from? This is the thing. Even if it's there, how do they release that fund, those funds with the, within the rules? And I think that's that's a problem. I know we discussed that a lot yeah. in the summer. It is. It so is it, it, again, it's like all this these ideas of you know we'll just sign these lo- all these players for loads of money. Again, it's like we're suspending our belief here, like we do every week when we go to the game and think that we're going to beat every team at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon or, or when it, whenever it kicks off. We think at the start of the season that you know, well, you know, everyone's tipping us for relegation. Why can't we finish in the top ten? You know, we've got these players and those players, and after five games of failure, the, the squad's the worst squad in the country. It's like the, the hyperbole just goes, you know, from one way to the other. We need to just sometimes just take a breath, have a look at the situation, and be realistic. And that goes for us, and that also goes for people like Dick Advocate and people like Ellis Short or whoever, and say, you know, this is what we've got to work with. And if if Ellis sold Dick something that he couldn't deliver, then that's that's poor from him. I don't know if he did or not because again we don't know the conversation no. that took well, place. It's just I've, assumed I've that he was promised. He hasn't he? He's been on Dutch Wait, TV uh, where he only. said he didn't see he wasn't. He was told he'd have the money and he wouldn't have it. He, which it seemed a bit naive to me because he said 
he never told me how much exactly. money exactly. I had. Well, yeah. like, surely that's, that's the first thing you is, ask. Well, is anybody it? disappointed then, if I put it like this, that Advocate perhaps didn't display his, his coaching ability um, and that it's always about money and signings now. Absolutely. Where you, you have a look, don't you? You have this decorated manager like Advocate who's had a long career, success in some places, not as much in other in other areas, but what, what's wrong with court trying to... Right, this is what I've got to work with. I was looking forward to saying, OK, his favourite 4-3-3, expansive football's not working with these players. Show something else. It's a similar to the Mourinho situation, isn't it? Where it's kind of laughable that he would come out now and suggest... Chelsea don't have enough quality in the squad when they won the league quite comfortably last season. Of course, they've got enough quality in the squad. Show us your coaching skills. Do something about it. Well, I guess you know, in Avocat's defence, that's what he did last season, didn't he? He yeah. picked up a team that was that was going down and, and kept them up. So I guess there's your coaching yeah. ability there. Mm -hmm. But this season, as I made the point to Gareth off air, that players who uh, he relied on and played well at the end of last season um, have not produced this season and I guess as a, as a coach as a, as a manager um, he couldn't possibly know that you know, Quite has like, played mm. so well at the end of last season and hasn't done this season Patrick Van Anholt likewise you know you can yeah. point to several players and, and you can't always legislate for can you but it's, it's just to me Gary it's a little bit of a feeling of Somebody playing on Championship Manager and turn it off because the, the season the players aren't as good as you thought they were going to be in the season hasn't started. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't saved the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know I've got every sympathy from. I mean, it's not so long back that we mentioned that um, Gus Poyer. I think he'd been on Norwegian or Danish TV or something. I think he was spot on really at the end of the day. I know the managers have got to take some semblance of the blame. The head coaches. Lee Congerton's got to take some semblance of the blame. Ellis Short's got to take some semblance of the blame. But Poirier said at the time, and, and Avocar's probably thinking the same thing, like, Steve Bruce was supposedly a good manager when he came to Sunderland. Martin O'Neill was supposedly a good manager when he came to Sunderland. You know, uh, for whatever their faults were, and they all had them, you know, Dick Avocar was supposedly good. You know, the common denominator hasn't been all these managers being extremely poor, it's been several, a number of players who've been there all the time that those managers have been there. And they're, they're the common denominator, not the managers. And sooner or later, somebody's got to have a look and say, um, they need to go and, and, and give the new man the rein. I mean, I'm, I'm sick of hearing the stop before the start of every Premier or the end of every Premiership season. It's, you need to be in the Premiership next season because the money's this. Next season, you need to be yeah. in the Premiership because the money's that. Next season, you need... Well, I know there's financial fair play, but surely people who've made millions and billions of pounds and all that must be able... I'm not saying he should be putting his family fortune into the club. I know he's put a lot of money into the club, but surely there's some way to get round... All these other teams who were playing by financial fair play seem to keep buying better players than Sunderland. Now, if they can all do it, Surely something's going wrong well, somewhere. I guess those, those clubs, though, probably haven't wasted money like we have repeatedly for years and years and had no improvement, which makes Sunderland as an attractive proposition to a good player lower down the pecking order. Um, you know, we've fought, we've fought relegation for, you know, this will be, what, four or five years, really. I, so, I, I don't know. So I don't what do you know. do? Do you, do you go, go down and then scrap everything I, off and then try and fight your way back? I, I don't agree with that. I think I think you've got to find the right balance between... I, I believe... I, I mean, I know it's been touched on, 
you know, there's there's some been some suggestion that this squad is is really bad and the window is really bad. I, I, to be honest, I, I don't really agree that we had a bad transfer window. I thought maybe we were a couple of players short in certain areas, but I think generally we we improved um, in, in in many areas. We probably could have done with a maybe a target man rather than maybe Barini. But you know, Barini since he's come, I think has probably has been pretty good. Um, I know he should have scored. On Saturday, but his, his movement's excellent and his, his work rate and desire, and he understands, he gets it. He, what playing for Sunderland is, you know. On on Saturday, he chased. He went. He was on the left hand side and he chased a ball to the to the right hand side and tried to challenge the fullback and, and forced the fullback into an error. And and that's that's what people like to see. So <clears throat> it's not like we've brought people in who haven't improved the squad because I believe we, we have improved the squad. And that's what that's what frustrates us about advocating. What he said today, I think, firstly, he's got a responsibility to the club to maybe just keep his gob shut for now. Because if he's saying he, you know, he cares so much about the club and all that, and he's gone, mm. he's, he can't wait to come back and watch it, watch it, and all this. For him to come out and say the squad isn't good enough, I mean, if you're a manager thinking, kind of, I'm on the fence, maybe about taking that Sunderland job. If he's saying negative stuff like that. It's it's gonna you know impact people's decisions and I think that's, Mark, I think it's poor from him really. But, but I, it's I not his really, job to sell sell the club to the next manager. I mean, it's, surely it's self evident the, the squad's not good enough, isn't it? Well, I don't know if it is. Is it self evident that the squad isn't good enough, or is it was this well, five points well, from safety after no, eight games? No, but but is but the manager a win. the manager picked the teams. He set them up in a certain way, and at times I think and many people could see that he was setting them up in a manner that was setting them up for a fall. Setting them up for a fall. They were setting. Well, they were, I'm not, he was setting them up to get beat. In, in, with the with the players he had available, he was setting them up in a way that was going to make it more difficult for Sunderland to win games. And if he wants to play this expansive football and everything, he can't. He couldn't do it. He was leaving the fullbacks unprotected all the time. The back four unprotected. Um, it was far too open, and we we got carved apart. We we need to be more compact than we were. The need to offer those fullbacks of protection because they were out of form. And this is what it is. You react in the situations. You can't just keep banging your head against the wall and convince yourself it's going to work because you want it to. You've got to make changes. This is somebody who's one of the most people keep saying they're one of the most decorated football managers in Europe and all this. Well, you know, show show that you're good enough. And I think this season, I don't think Advocat has shown his quality, his quality as a manager, and that's disappointing. I do like him. I think he's really funny. Um, I think he's what he did last season was great, but I think he probably could have taken some of that. And maybe balanced it out a little bit with what he's trying to do this year. Once he realised that the players he had available couldn't do what he wanted them to. It isn't ideal for anybody, this Gary. But did, as Gareth saying there, do you think there's a a little bit of truth in the fact that Advocate didn't look like he was going to get this right any time soon? So if we were going to make a change, at least now we have a full season. Well, he made, he made a basic change at the weekend. Put Billy Jones to left back, which you know <clears throat> was more reserved. So he was just played within himself and did the basics. So automatically that strengthened that side yeah, of the pitch. Yeah. Yedlin came in on the right and had a decent game. You know, I, th- I think that's that's one change, and, and immediately the balance of the team looked better. You know, um, you can't rely on Stephen Fletcher to play as well as he did on Saturdays. We all know, I think. But the movement between the front three was very good. Toivonen thought it was absolutely brilliant in the first half. Thought he was probably our best player in the first half. The positions he was taking up and his use of the ball, he was clever. Strong is tackling back, but then why? Why did they do it at the weekend and they don't do it regularly? Well, that's the thing that. Well, uh, well, that's uh, why. Yeah, I mean, for a while, isn't the, it? 
the guy the guy obviously cared a lot. I mean, when he when the second goal went in, someone went to and look, he actually did look as if he was on the verge of tears. And you know, she obviously cared about the club, and he's he's tried his best. I think possibly I know we kind of seen about sticking to the old game plan. Martin O'Neill had one game plan, and if it didn't work, it didn't work. But we'll stick with it and and various others. But sooner or later, you know. How how many managers have I keep harping on to the point, but how many managers or head coaches have come to this club and not been able to turn it around? And and there's got to be something there somewhere. Not not and I'm not look. I'm not blaming the players completely. I'm not blaming the manager completely. I'm not blaming the owner completely. But sooner or later, we've either just got to say right. Well, we can't bring this many in. We can only bring this many in. So we're going to be relegation fodder again next year if we don't go down. It's going to happen all over again, and just all our hands up and accepted. Or do they need to do something extremely drastic? Now I don't know what the answer is. I wish I did. What like the Kyle? <laughs> well, no, I mean that didn't work either, <laughs> did it? I know, I know, I know, I'm but I just I don't know. I wish I did know what the answer is. I mean, if, God, if I did know the answer, I'd be shouting it on air. I'd be shouting it on every radio station. But I don't. But I just. We just never seem to get any further on. It's like Groundhog Day, you know. You just, you just keep coming back to be kicked time and time again. It's like a dog, you know, like a, a dog that's badly treated. It keeps mm. going back to its owner to get a belt. And that, that's how it feels at the minute. Yeah, which we all condone. And, and, and the sad thing, <laughs> no, but the sad thing is that you know, Saturday afternoon, the first half was probably well. It, you know, there hasn't been much competition, but it was by far and away yeah. the best they've played for some considerable time, yeah. and then. Yeah, without a doubt. And then the wheels come off, and but he was already going anyway as well. Whatever happened, but so. it gets back. I mean, as we said, we, you've got to proportion some of the blame to the manager and some yeah. of the players and some of Congo. The, the blame can get shared around, kind of. Gareth touched on Stephen Fletcher there, and I want to know what people think about that. I actually looked on, you know, the little time hop up thing you get on your phone, which tells you what you were tweeting and putting on Facebook a year ago, and it was the Stoke game when Sunderland won three one. Just before the international break again, and um, the, the comments there were how good Stephen Fletcher was leading the line in that game. It must be an annual thing for him then. But he could have saved a lot of aggro if, if he could lead the line like that. We wouldn't have had to be in the market for the strikers. But, what, but, what is it? Is it is this attitude, or is this just he can only play above himself every so often? Can well, anybody offer a logical explanation it, for it? It might be a bit of both. I mean, the, the whole point is that, you know... You don't pay top money, all right, we paid a fair bit for Fletcher, but we're not in a position to go out and buy a superstar, and if we did have the money, then a superstar probably wouldn't want to come. And is that the next level down that you see it in, you see Conor Wickham in fleeting glimpses, you see Stephen Fletcher in fleeting glimpses, but you don't see it for a full season. That's a, a difference. The guys who do do it for a full season are your, your Agueros, your Suarez, and Sullivan's light, light years away from that, aren't they? So, yeah, but even mid-table clubs find... Cheaper alternatives are those players who are more consistent. You look at Stoke well, for Juve and people like that. Well, yeah, but you look at you look at Danny Ings for Burnley and for whatever reason he doesn't really kick. I know he scored at the weekend, but he hasn't really kicked off from at Liverpool because he's gone up another level. And I, I think you, you're in danger of sort of expecting. Yeah, you expect them to put a shift in, but maybe it is that level of players that's just below where you want to be. You know, Danny Graham. Not the answer, but we keep persisting. Or we were keep persisting with Danny Graham, even when the bloke in the street can see he's not the answer. Never mind being a, a head coach with all this uh, qualifications in the game. I think you've got to you've got to bear in mind as well that football is a relatively small 
world and uh, Sunderland has got and, and has been developing for some time a very bad reputation amongst players and managers um, you know for the way that the club is and uh, for the, the ongoing struggles it's very difficult to get people mm. to come up here for that reason I mean uh, succession, successive managers have, have gone away and uh, um, you know and like you say about Gus Poyet and, and other people have, have had plenty to say about the problems behind the scenes at, at the club which never get fixed and so other managers are going to look at it and think yeah, I don't know, do I fancy that? I mean even now we're talking about um, Sam Allardyce being the favourite for the next manager Sam Allardyce is a big, big pal of uh, Steve Bruce's first call he's going to make is to Steve Bruce and say what's going on up at Sunderland, what should I do? and, and someone like Steve Bruce is going to say Phew. I wouldn't think so. Don't you know? Don't even think it. That's what you've got. That's what you've got to worry about. Well you've, got, you've, got, you've got. You've got. to worry about. Hey, you, you, you mentioned that, but don't, don't forget, Steve Bruce is, is the last person that, that actually managed to complete a full season as manager of, of Sunderland. You know, um, and you're looking right the way back to what 2010, 2011 for that. You know, the, you're looking a long, long, a long, long way back. So, it, it, Pains me to say it, even even as someone who's not from the northeast and not born and brought up a Sunderland fan, but it pains me to say it, that when you're looking for your sixth manager in in four years, you've become a joke, you've become a laughingstock. Absolutely. Yeah, and and how do we you are. get players and managers to come well, that, up, come up when that when that's your situation? Yeah, that, that, well, that reinforces the point I'm making at the beginning about have them two sitting in a room together and saying they're going to sign six quality players. Well, what are they? Oh yeah, do you, do you want to go to this? Do you want to come to Sunderland? Look! Look what we've done. Or there's five other teams in the Premier League who want to buy you because there's agents on the phone to all of them. But and they're all saying we can give you this much money, and we're going to do this for you. And you, you, you know, you can you can come here, and it's going to be it's much better for you than going there, there, and there. And, that, and that's the thing. The, the market now, you know, getting these players, we 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 we're struggling to buy the the mid table quality players because. We've had our go at that. We messed it up. Because and now we're a long way from being a yeah, mid-table club. Exactly, and we're clawing, we're clawing you know, it back now. When if we've you got can get a player or two players to come to come to Sunderland, then they are fairly certain that they're going to be in for a relegation battle, yeah. and and they've got no guarantee that the manager they signed for is going to be the manager in three or four months' time, Absolutely. and they've got no guarantee that it'll be in the same division that uh, that they were when they signed for the club. It's Absolutely. almost That's like a problem. massive mental block, then, isn't it? As well, because we just said there, can you explain how it's a new group of players coming in, the same things happen, but. I guess these new players are coming in and starting to lose games, thinking, "Oh, uh oh, like I'm now involved in this as well." And there's, and there's an atmosphere. There's an, a negative atmosphere. I don't mean I don't mean that in a bad way from the fans, because it's only to be it's only to be understood understood because there's been so much failure over such a long period of time. No wonder that the fans are, are tetchy and, and get nervous um, as soon as things go wrong. You know, you feel the same thing in in the press box when goals go in. You you feel you know, here you go again. As soon as as soon as West Ham scored on on Saturday, you thought it's just a matter of time before they get another. You know, there, there was there's no confidence around the place I think anymore. If, if they've kept the eleven on the pitch, I mean, because we haven't really touched on the game, have we? I mean, looking at the game, like you say, first half was brilliant, and then the you know, it's another goal conceded in added time, and then. Second half, the, the the foul from Lentz. I thought the first one was a little harsh. I didn't think he could have many complaints about the second one, really. And yeah. it's just one of those tackles you're going to get sent off for, and he should know better. But it, it was really frustrating because he was actually defending and doing all the things I've been asking him to do. And his goal was top class 
brilliant goal like you, you know it's worth the worth the ticket money as the cliche goes to see a goal like that was brilliant but this, this is this is it and this is one of the you know the things that you have is that the players that Sunderland will attract in their current situation are going to be players that have some kind of many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Slight flaw in, in their game. So you're going to get a Jan and Villa who is clearly a quality footballer but we know that he's got a slightly suspect temperament thankfully we haven't seen that yet in, at first team level anyway Jeremain Lenz again has plenty of ability but the slight flaw is as we saw you know he, he, he lost his head and uh, and got himself sent off on Saturday but if they didn't have those flaws they wouldn't be yeah, here exactly. they'd be Absolutely. somewhere else I mean Pantelimon as well for the goal I mean yeah. he's been pretty good but that was really really awful yeah We've not been sure about him all season. We've had debates yeah, about him. Been, he hasn't been as good as before, he? but this no. season, I think even we go back to the Man United game and their first goal, he didn't try and dive and cut the cross out. He just sort of stood and looked at the referee, and I was a little bit disappointed with that. Probably couldn't have prevented it, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're being honest and realistic. But you, you make an attempt to do it, and uh, that was disappointing, wasn't it? I think. I think to, to be fair to to. Pantelimon, you're right. He hasn't played as well as he, he did last season. Um, but to, to be fair to him, when your defence in front of you is playing as poorly as Sunderland's are, you're dragged into situations yeah. that you shouldn't be dragged into. You have to make decisions that you shouldn't have to make, and you're you're almost trying to second guess the mistakes of the people in front of you. Yeah. Um, so that's some. I'm not saying that, that that lets him off the hook. It certainly didn't let him off the hook on on Saturday against West Ham. But there'll be times when you look back and you and you, you you can certainly apply that logic I would say yeah I think Gary though I mean Sunderland I think we we all agree they were excellent first half certainly the best player all season probably the best player in over a year um, I would argue um, yet they still didn't lose the game when West Ham come back into it and were a man extra so there, there is some fighting spirit in there as we know because we saw last season when Advocate came we saw the season before when they went on that great little run at the end as well it's just it's the same complaint over and over again why is it just we are only seeing it when it's a back against the wall situation well you know I, I don't think I don't think it's I know it sometimes feels that way but I don't think it's that the players don't care so maybe it's when it is backs against the wall, they, they bust an extra cut or they yeah, try. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. But I, I mean, it's just a, it's a case of everything. You know, everything's coming at you at once. You're getting the mistakes, and they're proving costly. You haven't got the quality at the other end of the field sometimes when you need it. You're not getting the refereeing decisions that you maybe want. I mean, you know, Bournemouth, 
the referee didn't cost them the game at Bournemouth by any straight imagination. But again, got some big decisions mm-hmm. wrong. Saturday, couldn't really fault the referee for his send off of Lens, but you've got to then say yeah. Martin Noble not have to go. And he was he was dreadful all the way through. And and, 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 and it's a culmination of things. I'm not looking for excuses. We've been poor. Um, we've got nobody to blame for that other than ourselves. But I think it's a case of like it, it hurts you more. Like when you're playing well, sometimes them decisions don't even get noticed because you afterwards you're like, oh yeah, but it didn't really matter because we did this, that, and the other. And we were all right, and then. But when it, like, when you're really down there struggling, and I think this, the, those decisions tend to stand out more, and I think the errors tend to stand out more. You know, we're waiting. At times, it feels like the crowd's actually waiting for them to drop a clanger so they can go, "Oh my God, here we go again." <laughs> and, and, and that's not me having to go at the yeah. crowd because I'm in there with them. Do you know what I mean? And and it's like, it just. Like I say, it's this feeling of ground out there. We, we seem to feel like we know what's it's coming the, before it's it. It's the opposite of, of what a home ground's supposed to do to your team, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I think when Barini went through and missed that chance, that's that was the turning point. That you felt yeah. more. Or oh, well, that and the lens sending off, obviously, yeah. those were the two turning points because there's mean, a world difference between 3 yeah. 0 and 2 1 at yeah. half time. Yeah, and the guy, the guy that was next to me, they kept going, that's going to cost us, you know, that's going to cost us, you know, yeah. that's going right. to cost us. <laughs> and he was right, but I, I was like, well, please just shut up, will you? Yeah. Right? I think I was saying that to you, Garth, yeah. as well. But yeah, I, mean, I kept saying, you can't miss that, you can't <laughs> miss that. Yeah. Brilliant move as well. Yeah. Like, a brilliant, like yeah. one of Fletcher's little flicks worked, yeah. so that'll be. <laughs> Probably a time hop next yeah. year. Fletcher did a flick and it worked. But it's interesting. You, you mentioned the, the the home home ground and and what have you, uh, Stephen. I mean, I did a an interview for a rival radio station last night. Um, we aren't well. We're not well, affiliated okay, with a radio enough, station. Are no. you technically? That's true. That's true. Okay, series. fair enough. Um, but you but, can listen to Into the Light every Thursday on some of them. Um, and they were asking me about um, uh, you know the, how crowds are holding up at the stadium of light. And to be honest with you, you know forty three thousand there again on Saturday. On bearing in mind the sort of diet of very very thin gruel that Sunderland fans have had for season on season now. I mean it's it's incredible. And you know that the, the fans are far and away the best thing about the football club, uh, about both the football club, the big football clubs in the northeast. To be honest with you, the, the, you know the, the support is is unbelievable given the deprivations that they've had to put up with. I think uh, if you look at the the game against Tottenham, where we played quite well in the game on, uh, on Saturday, the supporters at the end applauded them off, even though they you know took the two goal lead in, and even though they lost the Tottenham game, they still applaud them off, and that's you know it's, it is becoming the, the northeast cliche, isn't it? That's what they expect. That's what they want to see. They want to see Barini running from the, the left hand side to the right hand side to put some pressure on the full back. They want to see. You know, challenges going in, and like in the first half when they were pressing the ball and, and nicking it back, and then using it really nicely. You know, it was that was great. Catamore was back on song again, but once Catamore got booked, it was a bit. You know, he just this took this takes the sting out of his game. He can't really do what he needs to do, and then. I mean, going back to Advocate again, I mean, did he really need to wait until, what, 10 minutes to go before making changes in the game? I mean, they were tired, down to 10 men. He, he probably could have brought Larson on soon. He had Toivonen playing from the right-hand side. I mean, Larson's an excellent substitute to have, and he hasn't been used anywhere near enough this season from the bench, in my opinion. I'd agree. Because yeah, yeah, he, he gives you that energy. He's got a little bit of a bite. He can spot a pass as well. He's also going to be on when other players are tired. Free so kicks. That, that was one, that one you know, criticism of... Of advocate, I would certainly have. And I remember, I remember the Man United game and they were bringing Seb Larson on, and uh, well, they were bringing 
they were bringing Schweinsteiger on, and that sort of that sort of nailed it for me. You know, you Sam Larson, decent player, tries hard, probably championship at best but, for me. But, but again, that was a, I would point to that as another reason. That's a questionable. That was a questionable change in the game at that time. They were two 0 down. With about 20 minutes to go, and they brought Seb Larson on just to sit in the midfield. I mean, what's the point in that? You've just decided you you decided that you've lost with 20 minutes to go. Uh, I, d I don't know. I mean that. And then on Saturday, when they could do with some energy and legs and you know desire in that midfield, but it, yeah, to, but to, it, if, he doesn't he doesn't bring Larson on until if, what 10 minutes to go. If he already, if, if, I don't think he's not trying. But if he already knows he's going. He said he'd already decided he was going. Whatever happened, he was going. And then it, maybe his mind's not on the... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, maybe his mind's not... He's looking around going, well, this is the last time I'll see this or whatever. Maybe his mind wasn't really on things well, as it should have been. I don't know. I'm just sort of putting things out though. there. I think one, it's one yeah. criticism we've had of Alan yeah, isn't it? That he doesn't Alan make Clark his, in particular. He doesn't make his substitute. Well, Alan Clark's seen him off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dick was saying I want rid of Alan Clark, and Alan Clark has seen off, seen off uh, no. Dick. So that's the highlight of Dick Advocates. Reign, where yeah. He wanted he wanted uh, Craig, one of our colleagues, to be sacked because of something he wrote about his rubbish substitutions. Yeah. So exactly. you know, needless to say, yeah, he had the last laugh. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, actually, none of us are laughing. Over really, no. no. Dick's had the last laugh. Damn. Yeah. Damn I, think you, Dick. I think Dick was actually laughing when he said that. <laughs> yeah. Does yeah. anybody have? Have an overwhelming or a preferred choice to come in and take things on from here. Well, I've saw all the sort of names that's been mentioned, and my and cried and cried yeah, yourself. My, to my sleep. resounding opinion <laughs> is uh, like Brewster's millions vote for none of the above. <laughs> yeah, that's a great reference. That Brewster's millions. Check it out if you if you Check weren't it if, out you weren't, child's if film. you weren't an eighties kid. Yeah. Uh, I think you know when you look at the the realistic options, the people that, that are out there. There's n the, you know the the one that makes the most sense is Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Although you could also come up with uh, a couple of convincing reasons why you wouldn't go down that route, but uh, yeah. but he's probably the one that stands out um, because he's available and and because of because he'll play uh, basic organised football. It won't be pretty to watch, but to be honest with you, I don't think that the, the fans in the, current, the, in the, in the current, yeah. current mood are particularly bothered about a spectacle. I yeah. think that right now it's about putting points. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a load of fans that sort of said, like, who would have said, like, at the start of the season, if you'd said Sam Allardyce, they'd be like, no chance. Yeah. I think no, now, yeah. because they think he, he would keep them up. None about yeah. the brand of football. I'll probably put myself in that uh, team. I think you, they're all right, they sort yeah. of say, right, well, with... But if yeah. you look, if you look at the job he did at West Ham, and I think like the West Ham fans really didn't like him, so I think he could have done any. He could, I think he could have finished. They could have finished sixth, and they would still have won rid of him for X, Y, and Z but, reasons. But West, but West Ham's the academy of football. They expect yeah, yeah, to play exactly. Barcelona football. You know, won the World Cup. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah. won the World Cup. You know, I, I believe Bobby Moore once played there. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm told. But Alan, Alan you look, Ball didn't, but he won the World Cup. Yeah. You know. But if you look at if you look at um, how he progressed that team from well last season. <clears throat> obviously before he left um, I thought when they came to Sunderland they were excellent the way they played football yeah. and it, that was a progression in his style yeah. and you have to give it to him he was getting criticised for playing football a certain way and he totally changed the way they played last season he played a different style system and everything so I think that's a positive thing my reservation around uh, Advocat, um, sorry, Advocat, uh, Sam Allardyce before was 
the logic behind the appointment where he's somebody who's like basically said I will never work with a director of football and he's got it like written into his contract at West Ham that he never worked with a director of football so it was never going to happen anyway because he's not going to come but now Congerton looks as though he might well be going which has been talked about I don't know if he is or isn't if he does go then Allardyce is the, the logic of the players the three things you will get with a, a big Sam team is they'll be quick either getting the ball up there quick or they'll be quick up top they'll be strong and they won't go down without a fight. I mean, I don't particularly like his brand of football, but the three things you could probably see that Sunderland need at the moment are pace, a bit of battle about them, and and the fact that you know they're not going to get knocked off the ball and not going to get pushed aside easily by teams. And I think he ticks all three of those boxes. He had some good players at Bolton at times. I mean, yeah, Camilla, yeah, Jota, Kocha. Yeah, yeah. You Kocha, know, he, yeah. he did some good. He did. He, he did. He did it, this myth. It's not a myth entirely about Allardyce, but. His reputation for direct football came from the time at Bolton when he was working with a certain set of so, resources. Exactly, exactly. But this, that's something that you've got to look at as a positive because he's he's been at two football clubs there and he's changed the way he's played depending on the players yeah. he's got. You and that's argue, something we look at the managers that we've had over the years and they won't, they can't change if they try. You or might they argue won't. that that's what Mark Hughes is in the process of doing at, at Stoke. Stoke, maybe. Yeah, changing from the Tony Pulis more direct style to. To something, something something different, different. and he did that and it takes time it's not easy and, and, well. and, 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 and like Gareth says if, if we are being unrealistic about how many players we bring in in one particular window maybe he's got the wherewithal about him to you know to make a silk purse out of Sousey that what he comes into and just make do with what he's got and then go again next summer with one or two and make do with what he's got and then it might be a slow evolution but I think whoever comes in, surely we need to get at least one or two seasons out of them. Do you know what I mean? We haven't even got a full season out that's, of the last lot. That, that's the that's the thing, you know. That's that's the worry. A manager looking at the job now, you know, he's going to think to himself, "Well, I can take the job now in October, but if if the team's in the relegation zone, what's the what's the odds that I might be? Uh, yeah, uh, I might be sacked well, in March I, I suppose, with ten games to go. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, Dick hasn't been forced out. Do you know no. what I mean? He hasn't been sacked. He, he he's decided to walk away. I think. That's how that on, on that point. Sorry, that there's a little bit of clever narrative there, like around the whole because he is a bit Teflon in the advocate. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. you can't nobody can have a go on about anything. And I don't dislike him. I'm just saying that this whole well, he didn't take any compensation. I he resigned. He wasn't sacked. He wouldn't get. He wouldn't be like I'm resigning. Well, and I want five hundred thousand pounds. What, what's, <laughs> well, what's the one thing that somebody always says to you about the advocate? He's, he's never been. He's, he's never had a team. Good. He's never had a team relegated. Well, so he can <laughs> still say that, can't he? He's, he's walked away before. But, got messy. but you know, he, he doesn't need the money. He, no, he didn't. No. He, he wasn't coming back to Sunderland for uh, for career advancement. No, he came back because I, I I believe from speaking to him that he genuinely thought that he could help the club move forward. And yeah. I think he's he's left because he's realised that in actual fact, given yeah. the set of circumstances, that's not the case. And he's thinking, he's thinking, if I can't take the club yeah. forward, then what's the point of him? You should have had a word here? with him at the time and said, really? Do you think that? Ooh. Well, you know, I'm not sure about he's, that. He's got my number. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Headley on Twitter asks, um, why not Daesh? And then he adds, "Don't use the four four two argument. It's probably directed at me because that's exactly um, what I'll yeah four four two. That's what we would. I'm using the four. It's what we would have come but, out back with to be but fair. Why? Right, we all know how big Sunderland can could be if we if we ever got it right. But that's because we like Sunderland. We're Sunderland fans. So why would he swap a team that are going back for promotion to swap it to go back to fight another relegation battle? I mean, 
You know, it's alright looking through it red and white colour. I think he would. Well, I think, he I think if he got off it, it's the same one people are saying about Allardyce, like, oh, he's already turned it down. He said, no, there's a difference between no, sort of ruling yourself out from a job until you actually get man, offered the job by somebody. Uh, just, just to speak about another radio station, I know you say you're not affiliate, <laughs> but got, um, had talk sport on this no, morning. That was a rival that what, I dare not speak. I just. Um, I nearly leapt out of my car with joy when Harry Redknapp said he didn't really know where <laughs> well, the short yeah. wasn't coming. I mean, thank God for that. He didn't distance himself far enough for me. I mean, he could have well, at least gone to, like, Mongolia or yeah, something like that. Yeah, some, some banks to Sunderland's quite a long way to yeah, distance yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. If that happened, I think I'd, I, I would I think, be more. I think, I mean, we've spoken a few times about about some... some. It wouldn't be, would it? Sam Allardyce distancing himself, but don't forget that when he was distancing himself in August, I think it was on on TV. Don't forget there was still a man in the in the job. Then it's one thing, uh, someone saying, "Would you take it?" When there's a man already in post, and another thing now when there's a vacancy. I think he'd like, you know, you get the impression with Sam as well that his his ego to come here after what happened at Newcastle as well, and maybe well do something speak, here. Speak I bet you he'd love that, wouldn't I he? Know, I know. I personally know the guy who was press officer at the time. Um, that Sam Allardyce was at Newcastle, and the day he got sacked, the press officer had given him, didn't know what was happening, but gave him a lift from the training ground at the club. Came out and he said, "Can you give me a lift back?" And told him what had happened. And the press officer says to me, first thing he says, he got in the car and told me what happened was, "Well, thanks very much for sorry as he got out the car. Thanks very much for the lift. I'll be back next season to take three points off you." And he did. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I, I don't mean, think he, not the guy's confidence. I no, don't think no. he's, uh, well, he believed that he could be, re, you know, well, he that's should it. be when Real Madrid up, manager. Could, if he'd had that, a bit more you know. luck, he could have could have been the Real Madrid. Well, manager. I think it's good. You know, you've got to have somebody with a bit of ego about them who's, you know, feels as though he's they're going to they're going to do something. I think definitely Allardyce is the the logical choice at this stage if Congerton isn't there. I mean, Rogers is. Available now, and I'm not saying for a second saying that he might fancy the Sunderland job or whatever, because he's just come out of a job. He might want to take some time, and he might just think I'm not going to Sunderland. I manage a team who nearly won the Premier League. Well, he wouldn't have to sign Fabio Barini. No, he wouldn't. Say Barini's face would be a picture of Iraq, that wouldn't it? But he's, I mean, he's worked with Congdon. If Congdon decided to stay, they know each other well. I think he likes Barini. It's just. He couldn't use him because yeah, just, he, wasn't, it was he wasn't quite at that level. Yeah, but um, th- that's a funny one as well because again, if you said if Brendan Rodgers got sacked in the summer, and you said to me, "Who would you would you rather go for, Brendan Rodgers or Sam Allardyce?" I would have said Brendan Rodgers as an O'Brienner. If you ask me that now, I think I would rather Allardyce in at the moment because of the position we're in. Mm. I don't think Rodgers got a team he could work with who were bottom of the league, low on confidence, who were just going to clear the way out of this mess. Uh, Allardyce for me would be the he ticks all the boxes, doesn't he? When you look at somebody like, okay, just yeah. stabilise us now for three seasons, stabilise yeah. us, get our heads so we're not treading water every season. Yeah. Allardyce is naturally that man. I think right? he's, he's, you know, you know, I'm not for a moment suggesting that, that he would be a contender, um, but somebody like um, uh, Neil Warnock and Tony Poulis and uh, Sam Allardyce, somebody who's going to come in and do a simple, basic, basic job Pulis of, organi- Allardyce, of organizing your back four. Under pressure already. Organizing your back four. You know, that's where it's got to start with Sunderland. Because it needs, yeah, it loves at least play nice football. Of course it would, but hey, that's that, that's that's at least of Sunderland's problem right now. And we have right the now. attacking players now who can 
who can do something. Yeah. So yeah. if you start, with, yeah, because like when Poyet was was after the Southampton game, he went yeah. very defensive, didn't he? And mm. we didn't have any players really up the field doing anything with it. And we I feel like with Mvia and Barini now yeah. and Lens, we have got those players. Mm. I mean, I think we've we've been quite down for for obvious reasons tonight, but. The, the one thing that's probably a good thing, because he said he was from Newcastle so many times, I don't think John Carver will be putting his CV in, so that's a, that's a blessing. He loves, the, he loves the club. He loves the club, He yeah. loved him, didn't he? He loved Newcastle, shame. He's, I bet you he's having a bloody lovely time, isn't he? On the he'd just be course, like, yeah. He'd just be drinking pints. <laughs> he's probably on a beach somewhere. Tell all his mates came out when I was Newcastle. Yeah, he'd just yeah. be having a, oh, it's hard, isn't it, Steve? He'd be on the phone every day, it's difficult. I love the club, you know. If, any, if you ever need us... <laughs> Oh, but no, I, I, like I say, I think we keep repeating ourselves. But Allardyce wouldn't have been my first choice. But I think is the logical choice. Which yeah. if, I don't know if that's sort of, I know it's a contradiction in terms. But like, won't come in there, the ideal you? world, it's a logical <laughs> choice. I think we we don't. Their last doesn't no, no, make Jackie no. White more. I think so. we'd um, we'd it'd all be fair to say that some of the fans wouldn't mind too much if we lost the first game as well, because then we keep up that pattern <laughs> we've had with the last three managers, <laughs> where they come oh. in and they lose the first game and then they beat Newcastle. So that's I mean that. I, if that was, if that was to happen, they need a result. Yeah, no, they do. Of are, you, course, are, you, are you suggesting that there might be demonstrations in the streets should they win at West Brom? Yeah, you know, this must not happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying. Of course, I'm only joking. Yeah, you wreck, you wreck the, so the whole because job West Brom are the side who are just above us. We do actually need to go there well, and get a result. But yeah. I'm just saying, if that did happen, that would be a remarkable stat, wouldn't it? Four managers in a row all losing the first game, then beating Newcastle the second game. You'd almost have to call it a so remarkable coincidence. On the subject of Allardyce as well, I know those on the on the Twitters will uh, probably be familiar with uh, the fellow from the Sun. Is it Dan King? You probably I don't know if you know him. Or well, I don't know him, but I know of him. Yes. But apparently yeah. he's uh, very well. He, he's been quite correct often, yeah, hasn't he? Been uh, accurate, very hasn't accurate he? in his uh, in some of his. He's obviously got a very good source, whoever that might be. But he was suggesting that uh, Allardyce was going to meet Ellis Short on Wednesday. So he can't be. If that is true, he can't be that. Adverse to the job, if he's willing, if you're willing to meet somebody to talk about it. Ah, but is he going to meet him, or is he going to do like Harry did and just play golf at Skibor Castle? That's that's only he doesn't even know the man. He just played golf with him. What's this? Sorry, this that was Harry Redknapp this morning saying that they're saying, oh. they're saying you're quite poly with uh, Short. He said, "No, actually, oh, I just played. Oh, I no. just played at Skibor Castle, which Short obviously owns, and um, played golf there." That was the only link, the tenuous yeah, link. He, he, he didn't say that, you know. He didn't, the dogs he, met him. He, 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 the dogs met him a few yeah, times. I, I don't <laughs> think he actually said that, that Ellis Short was even there. You know, he just mm, said he played yeah. golf at Skiwell yeah. Castle. It's a bit like saying, you know, if you stayed in the Hilton, then you, you know, you yeah, know Paris Hilton. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, well, there's probably <laughs> many, many men out there from you know Paris Hilton. Oh, um, oh but, steady um, on, steady but on. But I had. Uh, uh, Maybe Ellis was like doing his scorecard and that because he can't write. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But. Uh, the further away Redknapp is from Sunderland, you know, it's like Bournemouth's not far enough. It needs to be further. It needs to move into the sea or somewhere like that. Interesting, isn't submarine. it? Sense of deja vu all over again. Um, do you want to do a quick plug of the, of the live? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, any cup, there's any. Is there any? Any left? Many left or not? I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> Just I don't know. Do it in case there's some left. <laughs> and then well, there's hardly any left. Yeah. You need to move fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're doing a live podcast on the 14th of October at Port of Call in Sunderland. Um, the money that we raise from the podcast will be given to the guys from Pop Records to put back into their community project uh, that they're doing out of the shop on Stockton Road. Um, 
there'll be like a raffle I think with some quite good prizes Michael's offered to donate a prize which is a Soccer Saturday ball signed by like all people from Sky Sports really if you're into that if you like Gary Neville and Jeff Sellen and people like that they, they've all signed it so that'll be in there but um yeah, the guests are Michael Proctor, David Priest, uh, Martin McFadden, and I think I spoke to Chris Young, and he's going to come in, and we're going to think it's good for the questions because they all, I'm, I'm intrigued by the, <coughs> the by transfer windows and um, Twitter and social media and stuff like that, and I always think it's interesting how much abuse people get who are in journalism, so I think you should you know have to stand up and justify himself in front <laughs> of a room of Sunderland fans. So, yeah. He'd, look, he'd be looking forward to it. He's on holiday this week, so he'd be plotting his. Uh, I'm sure he can't sponsors. wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't sell it to him like that. Yeah. Are you going to be dispensing rotten eggs at the door <laughs> for people? No, yeah. no. Solid objects. Well, always interesting. Hopefully, next time we come back, we've, we've appointed somebody, so we've got something new to talk about. But uh, nonsense, and as you say, they're probably going to try. Yeah, the live pod won't be recorded, by the way. So if you want to see it happen before your eyes, you're going to have to. You know, you're not going to be able to catch up with it, I'm afraid. Mm. So I'm sorry about that if you live away. It's mm. just too expensive for us to record it. That's the reason. Sorry. Big saws and all that. Okay, from us for here, thanks for listening. Over and out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.